Welcome back into another episode of Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast. It is Thursday, January 5th. Big episode in the Jets world. The season is officially done. We're going to get to all of the woes of the Jets' loss to the Seattle Seahawks, 23-6. to What's what's so funny, Teddy? You can't even get into it. I'm sorry, dude. I just, like, you even just saying that, like, I was just realizing the amount of, like, denial that I have been putting. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm no. fully aware that the Jets are done, you know? But I literally, yeah. I shut down. Like, I have, like, I've, like, watched a lot less football since that. Like, like, fuck, like you know, the Sunday night game I just didn't watch. Yeah, I'm just yeah. trying – I'm not, I don't know. It was just odd. Like I, I've been accepting it. You know, I prepared for this podcast, but it was just odd that like hearing you just say like the season is over. It, I was just like, well, here we fucking go. Here we are. And yeah, it just, not- it, it hit me how much I was like emotionally just barring those feelings from actually entering me. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, go (laughs) six weeks ago, six weeks ago, we would have been shocked to have been saying that at this point with the Jets sitting at seven and four. But here we are. Um, We're going to get to the Seahawks game. We're going to talk about this epic second half collapse by the Jets. Um, We'll talk a little bit about Miami and I guess what we want to see to finish things off for the season. Um, and 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 really just not tie a bow on the season. We'll have another podcast next week, really kind of just wrapping up the season before we take a little bit of a break uh, until the off season. But um, before we get into all of that, as always, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Same with the YouTube page. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I am at Spring Blake with four A's in there. Uh, Teddy, aside from this, you know, heartbreaking collapse, because um, I do believe that both of us felt pretty confident with Mike White coming back in under center, going to Seattle. This was a Seattle team that was trending very downward five out of their last six as losses that the Jets were going to be able to find a way to right the ship and keep their playoff hopes alive. But outside of that first, how are you doing? <laughs> doing all right. You know, getting <laughs> by, trying to do trying to do my homework that I got still these days, trying to do my uh, my job and, and all that good stuff. But I'm I'm doing fine. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's, that's it's good. the slow season for me in, in work right now for the next two months, which is nice. Um, yeah, I definitely have had, you know, a, a, a cliche first couple days back, you know, just kind of easing myself yeah. and not not going too crazy. I made um, a um, I made a joke with my family. My New Year's resolution was going to be uh, 365 dates in 365 days. Oh, Jesus. Um, and, and we're uh, three for three so far. I asked them oh, if this would God. count. I asked them if this would count as a fourth one, and they said no. So I'm going to have to go hang out with my friend Hannah. Not your Hannah, my friend Hannah after. <laughs> um look at you what the what are you doing i know <laughs> you're a you're a legend my man you're a legend oh uh, i know my, i just love fucking with my family but that i also i just I've, I've had a busy week so um well good for you good no for yeah you. so life's life's going well That's your brand feels fun weather in nashville's been fantastic we had shit yeah. weather for a couple Weather's of weeks good for it's us like too, 70 actually. degrees i love it well, so yeah not, not as good as that all things good um my colts have been out of the playoffs for you know, almost two months now. So I haven't really gotten to my heart broken recently like you guys have, but um, you know, let's, let's, let's kick things into that Seattle game. Um, yeah. Starts off pretty quickly for Seattle. They get that first touchdown to go up seven, nothing two minutes into the game, essentially. Then they uh, extend their lead to double digits midway through the first. And the next thing you know, by the early parts, the first minute of the second quarter, uh, the Seahawks find themselves or the, the Seahawks find themselves up 17 to three 
And Teddy, when we talked about the show, this game in last week's episode, we talked about the early lead and establishing the run and being able to just kind of sit back after holding like a seven to three or a, a 14 to 10 lead, like being able to just keep Seattle out of distance in the opening portions of this game. And the exact flip happened. I mean, if you take a look at the entire numbers, they are are very unfortunate um, and, and very lopsided turnovers. Obviously, Jets 3-0. Time of possession as well, too. Um, the, the ground game, oh my goodness, the difference in the ground game was insane. I've got the numbers here. It was 198 yards to 75. Um, you know, that was, you know, obviously at some nice. point the, the Jets had to start passing a little bit more. But, I mean, red zone 0 for 1 again. Uh, two interceptions, just a, a, an ugly game, uh, really all around. So when when you were watching that, and obviously there's a lot tied in from the fan perspective too of just being like, what the fuck is going on? Being able to sit back a couple days removed, what are your kind of general thoughts on the game? <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, this was this was a a brutal brutal game for you know Jets fans like me. <laughs> because you just always have so much hope and they just, they just tear you down over and over again. And i I think that's, what's the most frustrating about this game. And, you know, this losing streak in general is, you know, just that lack of, of fulfilling those expectations that we all have in the hopes of this team actually becoming, you know, something good. This was their opportunity, despite all they've done to blow it, you know, and you can blame, you know, playing good teams in Buffalo and you can blame Zach Wilson, but we've been on this terrible, terrible like stretch. And then you have one opportunity to go in with the quarterback who you're supposed to, you're supposedly, you know, believing in, and he's the guy and he's better than Zach Wilson, you know, and he's, he's been good in games before and he just comes out and completely, you know, does not live up to the moment at all. And it wasn't only the quarterback, it was the entire, the entire team. I think the the most frustrating part was the defense from the jump, you know, just getting absolutely destroyed. Ken, Ken Walker just, you know, finding okay. holes so easy. And, and, and he had a day, I think he had like a, I don't know, whatever that big run was on like the third play of the game or second play yeah, of the game like or something, right? Run, like, and immediately, you know, they go up seven zero and exactly what we were talking about um, with the Jets hoping to get a lead. But despite that, you know, so you have the defense and and like you said, a minute into the second quarter, you're you're looking and you're down 17-0. But despite that mixed in was, you know, two failed Jets drives where they they got nothing going. And this offense completely looked like, you know, just another Jets offense that's completely inept, can't get anything done. Um, and, and it was. You know, there's been bad games this year for sure. And I said this last week that this was like that last week was like the worst team performance. But I mean, this was by far so much yeah. worse. It was the defense. It was the offense. It was the special teams. Everyone was just, you know, it, they just didn't show up at all, not even remotely. And I think that's what's the most disappointing. And, to you know, Seattle didn't play a great game. That's the thing is like you take a look at something like Kenny did have 133, but like you said, one of those was 60 yards. That's just almost about half of his yards on one play there. Really kind of held in check for 22 of his other carries that he got on that day. But you look at the receiving numbers. DJ Dallas was the leading receiver out of the backfield with three for 55, and one of those was a 41-yard play too. So, 
Uh, Noah Fant there with two catches. Lockett was held to two receptions, and Metcalf had one for three yards. So it wasn't like, you know, when you took a look at this, it wasn't Seattle was out here dominating, which is why you're just so surprised, especially if you want to flip and look at the offense. This was a Seattle defense that hadn't been had been struggling mightily the last month and a half. And you're telling me that on the ground, we're going to get eight carries out of Zonovan and Ty Johnson. Ty's going to take it for 46 and Zonovan's going to pick up 27. The, the Zonovan buzz, not only, you know, it was just like a heartbreaking one to get as he kind of fell apart because we thought we had found like a guy to give this running game a little bit of spark and it just didn't come out. Um, and they look at the receiving game too. It's just like Conklin leads the way with six for 80. But then you go all the way down. You're like, man, Garrett Wilson, three for 18. Elijah Moore, two for 18. You know, Barrios had that one 20 yard, uh, 24 yard reception. It just, the numbers are so misstrewn where we were getting so much out of these playmakers uh, up throughout this point. And then, you know, even Corey Davis, a guy that, you know, he did have three for 45. The offense just has become, had become so lifeless. And the last few weeks you could excuse and you're like, okay, Zach was in there at quarterback and we saw how bad the offense was with him, but you know, even with a Mike White coming back, I would have expected more out of this um, this passing offense. And, and, you know, when you're in a deficit and then you have to become a one-dimensional team and you just have to throw for the entire second half, that, you know, I, I understand there's not much you can do in terms of, like, an, establishing a balance, but, you know, this team threw up and down Minnesota. You know, there we've seen games, you know, Chicago as well too, up and down the field against that team uh, on offense. And, and to just kind of sputtered down almost since what it was that was it the buffalo game really where where mike white got banged up and it was really just at that point the offense just keep kept taking these steps lower and lower and like you said today or this past sunday was one of the worst just overall team performances we've seen all season yeah and i and and you know i think that's why it's really frustrating um as fans and it and it's funny because it's like to some degree it should be expected but it's not where where again you know it was a disappointing performance from our offense which has really just become like you know that's the standard that this team has is just the offense isn't very good and you know we'll dive more back into the season but when you really do think about it it's like you had a couple games where you had backup quarterbacks in just kind of crazy games you had a couple games where Brees Hall was you know, being the best running back in the NFL and completely carrying your team. And, you know, throughout all of that, your quarterback play wasn't good. And it was just kind of like, okay, we're kind of figuring things out. Quarterback play hasn't been there, but, you know, we'll get this all together. And then you continue through the season and, you know, kind of in that middle part of the season where the first New England game and then the win at Buffalo – Um, obviously you have the next game against New England, but then you have the big game against Chicago. It's like the offense wasn't completely clicking, but they were doing pretty okay. And you could, you could build up that hope, you know, and then you get that Mike white game with Chicago and they score 31 points and, and you're like, okay, this is finally it. But really it just continued to be what it was the whole season, which was a disappointment, you know, Minnesota, they, they almost did well, but kind of failed. And then from there, it was just, I guess really once Mike White got injured, it's like the entire offense stalled out and you hoped plugging Mike White back in would lift this this team back up. But, you know, non-existent passing game, non-existent running game. Like you just can't win when you're not at all making plays. And I do think, you know, 
Mike White's checking the ball down a ton. I and and he's got to not do that. He's got to be willing to take chances. But it's like we were just doing getting nothing done offensively. As a whole, looking back at the season, ten games, twenty points or fewer on the year. That is that is bad. And in, in it's this the modern story era of the season. Football, it really just, is. You need to put points up on the board, and, and it's it's such a a wasted season. And it's not to say that the Jets like had these huge expectations. At the end of the day. Like I said in 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 our preseason episodes, I said get this team to a position where they're seven and ten or six and eleven. Like let me see the baby steps, eight and nine. That was where I was going to be like, cool, this is a, a step in the right direction. Obviously, from where they started and where they're at now, it paints a different picture. Just this fall from seven and four, and I, I do want to touch on that collapse as a whole as we get later on into this episode. But the point that I'm trying to make is. Oh God! I completely just <laughs> lost my train of thought there. Did you just see it vanish from my eyes? I just I I I knew it was coming, and then once you forgot, I forgot with you. That's but... hilarious. <laughs> what I I think what I was trying to say is, um, oh my God! I can't believe that just happened. Look at us go. We're like the podcasting offense, freaking geniuses. It what were what was I talking about? It was the offense and the performances this season? Um, uh. We have oh, to score, it, wasted, we have to wasted, wasted season. Oh yeah, wasted, wasted season. season. I, I don't mean to say that it's a wasted season because I do still, at the end of the day, believe there are still positive takeaways to go from this season. But what we were getting out of this team defensively through the first twelve to even even up until last week, really. I mean, yes, there were a few games in there where, you know, um, let me pull it up. You know. The Browns, you let up 30 and the Bengals put up 27. And, you know, you've got these other ones where, where you know, God, it's really that's just it's those two in the Vikings 27. This was kind of a wasted season for a really great um, defense. No, I 100 percent agree with you. And and I think, like, I'm really glad that you remembered that that's what we were talking about, because yeah. it. I think that this is a really important thought and um, I want it to be very clear, I guess. I'm, I think I'm going to maybe try to craft this one up and get it out there as a tweet. But uh, the, when you think about it being a wasted season, it's like, okay, when you're in 2019 and you say, or 2020, right? Zach Wilson's first year and you say, okay, you know, this year is going to be a learning year then we're hoping to get our team a little bit better next year. And then in that third year, we're hoping to be a contender. And then sometime in that third, fourth, fifth year, we're hoping to win a Super Bowl, right? Like that's kind of what you envision when you're a fan. So, so yes, you can argue, is this a wasted season in the terms of, you know, the team still can be taking steps forward. It got better. You know, we didn't expect them to make the playoffs. They didn't. Sure, whatever. Like, you can say it's not a waste because next year maybe we'll be better. And this year was a part of it. But, you know, it's like it's like you don't play football to you don't play football to win the Super Bowl in five years. You know what I mean? You play mm -hmm. football to win now and to get in the playoffs. So it's like, sure, you want to say, oh, well, maybe we'll make the playoffs next year. Maybe we will. But the the 2022 New York Jets had a team and a defense, especially that was good enough to make the playoffs. You know what I mean? And they and they yeah. should have had enough offensive talent to score some points and and, 
win some of these late games and they should have, you know, been able to, it's just like this team was great. Right. And they were, they were exceeding expectations. And then when it really starts to matter, they floundered and they completely, you know, just, just could not get it together. Could not win, whether that's quarterback, coaching, defense, offense, whatever it is. So, you know, yeah, sure. It, it's not a wasted season if you want to, you know, play for 2023. But there was a chance we could have been in the playoffs in 2022, and now we're not, you know. And mm-hmm. I think that's where it's like we had a chance to write some Jets history, you know. Oh, remember 2022 when we won two games and and got into the playoffs and fought, and, and that led to the next year when and, and that, like, springboarded us, you know. But instead it's like, okay, another disappointment. What do we do now? And And it's just like – God damn, man. So definitely it's a wasted season, whether whether you thought we were going to win the Super Bowl or not, it was a wasted opportunity for this team. The, the Jets finished the season with the fourth best scoring defense in the league that held teams to 19.1 points per game. If they were an average team offensively this year, and that's average, you're sitting at about 22 points per game. And that is wins over in the last few weeks. Detroit, Jacksonville, Buffalo that second time, uh, New England, just about twice. Most so in games. right, in right yeah. there is a flip of five losses in that stretch. If you're just an average NFL offense in that final stretch there. So yeah, you're talking about a five game swing here in that entire stretch where if you are just playing at the average level of an NFL offense, you're you're sitting here with probably a top wild card spot. And you're still like in the swing of things, even for the division heading into week 18. So Obviously, I don't think that this Jets team, like you said, it's not like they were going to win the Super Bowl this year. But in terms of incremental steps, this was a kind of a, a waste of what was a really good defensive performance for just about the entire season for the Jets. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. And this game, the Seattle game, like it just kind of tied a bow on that narrative of the season, you know, like. Excuse me. Like it tied a bow on like, this is a year where the Jets disappointed because regardless of the previous, you know, 15, 16 weeks, if the Jets go out and score 28 points a game in their last two games and make the playoffs, you are saying like, oh, this team is getting it together. You know, like, like regardless of the struggles, they still had that opportunity to, you know, against a bad defense to put something together with a quarterback that was supposed to be your better option and Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, all healthy, Zonovan Knight, Michael Carter, all healthy. And, and with all that, they just could not get it done. It's just like very frustrating. And I think that's why we're like, like you look at this season and, and from an offensive perspective, there just really wasn't success. And there's games you can point to, where, you know, okay, we scored 31 against Cleveland. That was kind of fluky, you know, with all the yeah. shit at the end. You score 24 against Pittsburgh. That's not even a lot. Kenny Pickett threw four interceptions or whatever, or, or him and Mitch. Like, you you scored 40 against Miami when you're playing their, all, their entire backups. You score 27 against Green Bay when they were bad. Then you fast forward. You don't have another good offensive performance till Chicago, one of the worst defenses in the league. And then you go and have good matchups against Minnesota. Buffalo was nowhere near what they used to be. Detroit, Jacksonville, and and completely flounder. So like this season, you really had success when Brees Hall had really good games. And that's it. You know, like 
even even Garrett Wilson's best games to some extent, maybe not in late, but early, his best game was a game Brees Hall fucking dominated too. It's like this team had absolutely no identity throughout the entire year, and it was like from an offensive perspective, it was such a failure. So I guess to transition into a different question then, because this was something we wanted to talk about today, everybody wants a a fall guy. They want a scapegoat for the way that things floundered at the end of this season here. When you say that, when you say like this had no identity in their good offensive games outside of Brees Hall, where do you put the blame on that? Because a lot of people right now, like you told me before the show, are coming from Mike LaFleur. And I believe we have seen good offenses from him before. He comes from a tree of successful coaches and, and a good system. But when you say that it almost makes me feel like when you sit back and you're like, okay, we, we relied on a really great running back for most of our good offensive performances. Maybe, maybe there is an actual problem here as far as offensive game calling goes. So like, where, where do you stand now after this huge collapse? Cause it's not even just the season as a whole, the last five weeks, it lasts four weeks, 12 against Buffalo, 17 against the lions, three against the Jags and six against Seattle. That is a, Terrible, terrible run down the stretch. So, wh- wh- where do you stand on this whole Michael Lafleur situation? Yeah, that's. I mean, it's an interesting question because I uh, I wouldn't say that I had strong feelings about it, you know. But yeah, I like when when I hear myself talking about the offense, yeah. it's like I believe all that shit. Like they were bad. Um, I don't know. My kind of thing with Michael Lafleur is. I do believe that generally um, he's shown like a good ability to scheme things up and a good, like in flashes, he's shown a good ability to call plays, I think. Um, And whether that's, you know, heavy on the run game or doing fucking end arounds to Barrios, like these things that get kind of annoying, he still has shown to me some of like, he can be the guy that gets this done. I personally think that you 100% have to look at this season as a disappointment and a knock on his record. You know, he's yeah. not getting head coaching jobs no. this off season. You yeah, know no. what I mean? It's Which is something back. that when we were really, you know, when we scored 40 against Miami, that was like, Hey, if we keep going with this offense, maybe, but he's taking a step back. I do think, I guess where I stand on it is like, I don't think we should fire him now And I at least think he's shown enough. Like, I don't think you can sit here and say he's been completely terrible the past two years, because I don't think that's true. I think he's he's done well. And we all know at the end of the day, like Zach Wilson has been very, very bad. And we've all seen film of just like misses. And I think that's something to talk about in the Seattle game was Mike White was playing like Zach Wilson. He was missing open receivers. He was consistently throwing the ball behind people, which the announcer wouldn't shut up about but it was true. And, you know, through a couple bad interceptions, like, like there, I think he deserves a fair shake where mm-hmm. it's not this rotating door of quarterbacks of, okay, you start the season with Flacco. Then you finally get your number two. Then he sucks. He's horrible. Mike white does. Okay. Then he gets injured. You're back to your number. Like that's a lot for an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, you can say he hasn't handled it well recently. I think that's fair, but I just, I think he, he's shown enough through all this that I think he deserves a fair shake next year. 
I agree he deserves a, a fair shake is entering into 2023 as the offensive coordinator if the offense still sputters out there with an established quarterback because I believe when you take a look at the direction that the Jets are going to go and obviously they're not going to go and take a first round quarterback next year. Uh, maybe they do and they bring in a vet, but I would say more it's like a if they bring in a rookie quarterback, he is going to be the number two and he's going to be kind of just this developmental project for this team because they cannot go for a third kind of not regime, but era with this super unpolished, nobody knows quarterback. You know, first it was Darnold. Now it's Zach. This this staff, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, they don't have three years. You know what no, I mean? Like, no. like in no in no world do I think either of them should be fired. I think they've done a great job. They don't have three years. So, like, the idea of them drafting a quarterback, good luck. He, he better be good right away because if next year is a failure of a year, that was your arc. You know, your arc failed. It's time to move on. Like, that, that they, they, they have to win next year. It, it has to be a playoff team next season. It has to be. And I've seen a lot of people talk about that. Connor Rogers was talking about that on Badlands where it's just like that they are, their job is, yeah. maybe it was Connor Hughes even saying it, it was, might've been both of them. Obviously, honestly, it's, it's not, I a, think, a, I think they were talking about on Badlands. I saw a clip, but it's just like the next year is, is a playoffs and you're right. You're not going to get there with this team taking another shot on a quarterback, especially when first round quarterbacks fail at a 50% clip. And it's almost a high, I think it's higher, like 54% of clip now where first round quarterbacks fail. So yeah, thanks to Zach being, Wilson's bitch ass. Yeah. yeah. Point <laughs> being, point being, as as this team enters 2023, I would like to see Mike LaFleur operating an offense where his quarterback is an established veteran. And it doesn't have to be a great one. It could be a Jimmy Garoppolo if he's, you know, you know, if he moves on from his time in San Francisco. It, there's a lot of names that we're going to talk about all offseason and we're going to kind of just wait and see who comes in. But I would like to see him get a chance with just a, a somewhat stable, sturdy quarterback. Maybe he's not the guy that is going to be the quarterback guru that develops these young guys, but he's still shown to be crafty offensively. I do agree. Sometimes he can get a little bit too gimmicky, but to his credit as well, too, at the beginning parts of that season, he was getting enough out of the offense to get these right. wins over Green Bay, over Pittsburgh, over Denver you know, keeping things close with New England that first time around. Like, there were some performances in there where you're like, okay, with how bad Zach Wilson has been, with some injuries, with Elijah Moore essentially disappearing for half, for almost, for the entire season, basically. I mean, he, he, it's not like he came back and was what he was last season at all. He did have to deal with a lot that kind of just didn't go for him. So, yeah, I would like to see him back as offensive coordinator next year. I don't think he's got a long leash at all. I think he's given a good, like, four or five weeks if the offense is still letting this team down and the defense is still as stout as it is. And it's like, okay, how long can we carry you then make a change? Um, which is tough to say, because like, obviously you want to keep your staff for a full season, but I do believe he's shown an, enough at times that he is a competent offensive coordinator and somebody that should be kept in fold here uh, beyond this season. Yeah, I 100% agree. And and I want to, I want to jump to the, the, the playoff mandate thing just for a second. Um, because it's like, it, that's always going to be like a hot button debate, right? Like, oh, should there be a playoff mandate or not? But it's like, there just is, you know what I mean? Like you For can, you can, mm -hmm. it, it, there's no world that you can paint this picture of, uh, like of next year is like a building block. Like that, 
that's what last year was. No, so that's even maybe what this year was. Like Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have been selling us on this plan, have been selling us on, okay, you know, we're not doing anything. We're, we're just trying to get these guys better. We're trying to build. We're trying to grow, whatever. Like Robert Sala knows he has a playoff mandate. You know what I mean? Like that is just the way that it is. And I mean, I don't know. I just like, to me, it's not even a question. It's like, if, if they don't make the playoffs next year, the fans will demand that they be removed. You know what I mean? And like, it, it, not that that's even what makes decisions, but it's like that will happen. And, and I think a lot of that plays into when you're going to take a look at the roster as this team heads into next year, there's going to be a lot of high paid players on there that you're like, we haven't maximize these contracts we haven't maximized Corey davis we haven't maximized lawson next year we'll be talking about whitehead's contract and lake and tomlinson and there's going to be these guys where we're sitting there and we're going to be talking about extending and then we'll take a look and, and and we text a little bit about this too right now if you go and you just take a look at 2020 and 2021 drafts for joe douglas it isn't the prettiest thing in the world you know obviously some guys took a step back this year from 2020 or 2021 in Elijah Moore, Michael Carter definitely took a step back as well, too. So maybe they can rebound beyond this season. And obviously, AVT is another big one out there hurt, too. But you look at a lot of the names and you're just like, man, if we are we're we're very happy with where the 2022 draft class is, but we're very happy with where the 2021 was at, at a point as well, too. So these things aren't guaranteed. Now, I do feel a little bit more comfortable about this past year. I do think it was a pretty lockdown slam dunk getting sauce and uh, and Garrett Wilson in there and Brees Hall. But point being, you're going to take a look at this roster midway through the point of next season and be like, we're paying certain guys a lot of money and we're not getting much out of it. And we're still sitting here, what, trying to build toward the playoff for 2024. There is a playoff mandate next year for for Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. Yeah, and, and I think that's a great point to like bring up the draft classes because when we're in the moment and we're we're like, like, how could you not how could you not believe in Joe Douglas? He keeps making the right decisions, you know, but then yeah. it's like, OK, if you if if you move on from Michael Carter next year, if Michael Carter is your third running back next year, if you don't if you go out and get another receiver and Elijah Moore stays as your number three, it, it does kind of start to to build up against you to some extent, you know, yeah. but on the flip side, it's like. When you if you do well enough drafting Elijah Vera Tucker and Brees Hall and Sauce, you know what I mean. And like if you can get enough guys who do hit, then you're golden. But like only time will tell. Like sure, Elijah Moore looked like a great pick. He wasn't the guy you needed this year. Next year you get a quarterback. Hopefully he is. But that's something to think about. So I think that is just like like these guys evolve over time, and you have to change the way that that you view it. So of course, exactly. if they go out there and flounder again. It's probably because a lot of guys like that Joe Douglas brought in aren't performing and then you move on. So that's why it's like it's so simple to just say that the mandate is there. Um, my next point to reply to you was not about the draft class. Oh, I just wanted to touch on free agency because it is going to be very interesting, you know, as we kind of have set up here and framed the. The Jets have to win next year, right? They have to be a playoff team. So now we are about to go through an off season of, you know, really being buyers, which hasn't been the case the past few years. You know what I mean? Like, like this Jets team is going to go out and spend some money and, and, and 
I think take home run swings. Like, you know, we dream about Lamar Jackson. We talk about Aaron Rodgers. Like, like to me, I foresee the Jets in some way, kind of like they did with Tyreek Hill, like really just like being willing to pay for, for some type of game changer. Um, And I think that's going to be their, their go-to at quarterback. Um, But with that being said, I do just want to like a guy like Corey Davis and a guy like Carl Lawson. um, I think it's really interesting because it's like Carl Lawson has been disappointing, right? To some degree, but has also been a fine player. Yeah. Right. Like, like has seven sacks this season has been productive intermittently, but just hasn't been, you know, the kind of great player that you hoped he would be. And then a guy like Corey Davis, you know, it's like when you sign him, you're kind of saying like, I hope this guy can be a wide receiver one, you know, as much as I fucking want to say Corey Davis can be a wide receiver one. (laughs) Most people probably agree. That's not what was going to happen. So I kind of just want to make the point like, these free agency guys, you're always going to pay them more than they, they're worth. And they're, you know, they're always going to probably be undervalued, but they're there to kind of like bridge that gap. Right. Oh, I signed Corey Davis two years later. I took Garrett Wilson. He can replace him. I can cut Corey Davis, whatever. But it's yeah. like, I don't really know what my point is here, but I'm just saying, I think the jets the Jets are going to like do what they have to do and take big swings in free agency this year. But it's just like a point of like free agency is not always the best way to like fucking go about things, but I'm you're, not, I don't know where I'm going. Here. You're always, you're always in free agency. You're always, there's a tax on buying in free agency. There's essentially a five yeah. to 10% value increase that you're spending just because it's a free agent. That's just the way it is. If not free. more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and what I always say with free agency too, is there's a reason that they're free agents. You know, teams will lock down players that are the cornerstone pieces of their team. And there are certain positions where you're just unluckily going to be on your way out. It'll be really interesting to see what positions the Jets choose to to address in this offseason. And again, we can save all of that. We'll have a ton of time to talk about that in the offseason. I know, but I'm excited because this is going to be an it's interesting. It's the fun part. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy because like, it's there are certain positions in free agency that there are not good options. There really aren't. So, like you know, wide receiver. Thankfully, the the well, thank thankfully, the Jets may want to keep on to Corey Davis. I think I saw that the number one free agent wide receiver is. Uh, oh God, now I wish I had looked this up beforehand. It's it's a thin class, is what I'm saying. So like, there's going to be position groups out there where you're just like, kind of bare bones. But we also have a draft. We know that Joe Douglas is coming off of a really nice 2022 draft, um, and so hopefully they can go and 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 nail down another piece or two. But fuck, man, offensive tackle, you got to get up in there. Four, we don't have four first-round picks. You got to get you up. Know? You got to get up in, in in offensive tackle. You got to get up in. I mean, you got to add more depth at the in the wide receiver room. At the end of the day, defensively, you know, you need more help at linebacker, safety outside of Joiner. You probably want like there are positions there that they're going to need to really put some boost into. Um, you know, I feel really great about the defense, and and we are going to be getting back AVT and Brees, and and you hope that a quarterback that is sturdy that comes in, like you know. Garrett Wilson had a fantastic rookie season. He also had bottom tier quarterback play for about 90% of the season. So you're like, what can he be with a, with a fucking Aaron Rodgers or like even just a Jimmy Garoppolo? I'm really glad you brought up Garrett Wilson again, because I, I went on my whole rant about the offense. I do want to like Garrett Wilson had a thousand yards as, as a jet receiver. Yeah. Like 
that is an unbelievable milestone. Like, like, and the fact that that happened is like a, a, a perfect kind of like, like, yes, this sucks. We're disappointed. But like in 2019, that didn't happen. Like you didn't have a rookie wide receiver who you knew knew was going to be your wide receiver one going forward. Like Very long time. Garrett Wilson was that dude this year. And that's fucking awesome. It was. And, and to echo that, like, like what I'm saying is like, he was that with really with shit bad quarterback, quarterback play. play. It's like, just give him someone average. Those numbers could be looking real pretty next year. And, and it's not even that it's just, it's opening up the gates for, you know, potential Elijah Moore reascension, depending on what they do with Corey Davis. You know, if he sticks around to the tight end, yeah, the got, wide receiver room is an interesting one. Cause that's really like fun, is. you know, but it's dude. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm not, I'm, there's a million different ways we can go with this conversation right now. I'll just say that, but yeah, I'm not fucking Braxton Barrios needs to go 1000%. Yeah. We're all over it. We're all done with him. Zach Wilson's not there anymore. Cut them both. Um, and then, and then the Corey Davis thing is interesting as hell. Cause it's like, I would have said, you know, we'll probably just cut him and sign someone else or, you know, but it's like, if, if there's no one you can rely on, Corey Davis is kind of reliable. You know, just hope Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore are willing to take on more of that load. He has and had Jeff a pretty, Smith. There is a pretty good run now of Jeff Smith. There's a pretty good run now that that does show that Corey Davis, it, he's reliable when he's on the field in terms of like a sturdy catching option, but he is pretty inconsistent with being available on Sundays. So there's that part too where he has been banged That's up true. a few different times this season, previously as well too. The number one wide receiver he, in this free agent class, and he's had a good – ish season it's jacoby myers like that's the that's the top free agent wide receiver someone will give him a I dumb am a jacoby contract. myers guy me too me too i am a jacoby myers nice. guy but i was a Corey davis guy so <laughs> but here's what I'm, i mean you're just looking at these other names it's like Nicole hardman i guess paris campbell nope. you could throw up there but he's never been able to stay healthy mm, um probably not that's Juju just sign Corey davis again i'd there. actually kind of like that a lot Feel like I would like that a lot. Trade Elijah Moore and then bring in Juju. DJ Chark. Well, I yeah. I there's not good. See, names. this is where I'm saying Elijah Moore. I do I am not remote. Every time I see a fucking trade offer, guys are like, oh, trade blank and Elijah Moore. I am not can't remotely out on Elijah Moore. You can't sell. Um the the middle of the season was annoying. But, you know, the, the quarterback play was a real issue. You can't ignore that. And in games where freaking Zach Wilson was the quarterback or some games where he wasn't, the the passing offense was non-existent. And Elijah Moore, especially more toward the end of the season, was out there making plays and showing, like, the ability that he has. So in, in no world am I out on, on Elijah Moore. Um, I just want to get that out there. No, that's a, that's a good point. Um, we We could, like, we really could go – in so many different directions with this i think I know. it's well go ahead what do you want to well, talk do you about? have an idea i was going to say we should we could talk about the defense a little bit more and and you know then just wrap it up in terms of what to do for next season or where this defense stands at the end of it all because i feel like well we could yeah wrap I mean, a bow. I... we could wrap a bow on the entire units next year um i was going to pose a question to you that would kind of toss things into miami but what do you want to say about the defense well, yeah, I, I guess, you know, we can do that as well. It was it, I we just went over the offense and, and what their season looked like um, yeah. with this defense. Yeah, right. I think I think there are um, 
you know, clearly this is a good defense, I think. And I think any time that you have a bad offense, you know, anytime you lose a game, regardless of what the score is, there's going to be plays you can point to, you know, on both sides of the ball where like, if they had done this better, they would have won the game. And I think most of the criticism against the defense this year has been situations like that, where it's like, there were one or two bad plays that, you know, let the other team score. But that was the reason that we didn't win because we only scored 10 or you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like overall, I think this defense was very good. Um, but with that being said, our cornerbacks are the cornerstones of this defense. And they're the reason that we can do everything that we do. And really, you know, the, the D line took a step back in the second half of the season and, you know, the safeties and linebackers, you know, are good, but I, I wouldn't say they're great in pass coverage as a unit, you know, no, definitely not. Definitely. And um, even, you know, even a guy like CJ Mosley, who we've, we've done this like two years in a row now, and he's been good, but even a guy like him, it's like, how good is he going to be next year? You know, he's going to be one year older. Like, so, so while I definitely think this defense had a very good year, um, I do think they took somewhat of a step back in the second half of the season. And I think yeah. like there are things to deal with going into next year one of the biggest things that i'm ready for this team to deal with is i'm done with the safety hybrids turning them into linebackers let's just go get some oh my fucking linebackers let's get linebackers yeah. let's just get some guys even in though my boy jamie and sherwood is playing great on special uh, yeah, teams yeah, i've been he watching has, he's been solid. and he's been getting in the game a little yeah but you're right safety linebacker those aren't the premier positions of a defense but they're they're when you have great corners and you have at least a good rotation on a defensive line. Like those are going to be the key areas where it's like, well, those what take this from, and it is a really good defense, but take it to like an elite level defense. You know, the San Francisco 49ers best defense in football right now, good corners, good safety play, fantastic front four, but their linebackers are fucking filthy. Fred Warner, one of the best, probably the best linebacker in football right now. Like they have guys at every level. So I think it's the jets trying to fill the holes at linebacker, at safety, they still do need to upgrade and get that elite pass rusher. That guy, like I said, lost in seven sack season. Hats off. He, you know, after missing last season, like, a, like hopefully it's one of those where it's like the next year back is even better for him. But there still are upgrades, like you said, on this defense. Because, yeah, they did they did kind of stumble at the second half of the season. And there's could be a lot of reasons for that. One thing that I would also say is like, how many weeks can you expect to rely on your team to be a top three, five defensive unit? There are going to be weeks where that starts to fall apart. You can't be great yeah, every week of the season. You know, even San Francisco, who I was just talking about last week, Jarrett Stidham is dicing them up and down the field. It's like defenses aren't going to be perfect 17 games yeah. in a row. So, yeah, they had their faults throughout different points of the season, and it did get worse as the second half wore on. But um, I, I still think as we take a look at like fundamental blocks for this franchise, the defense is in a really good spot. Yeah. And I think what's so exciting about this defense looking forward is, um, you know, you kind of think about, you think about where, um, what am I trying to say here? I, you think about where the strength is and the fact that it, you have two cornerbacks like who who should have both been pro bowlers, you know, like DJ Reed. My thing with DJ Reed this season is like he's been just as good as Sauce, but just hasn't gotten any of the credit because he's not like the, the young pick and yeah. he's on the same team as Sauce. Like right. DJ Reed has been outstanding. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun going into next season 
and and doing this whole offseason knowing like at least you know cornerback which is a very difficult position to find you're pretty set at you know defensive tackle we're probably going to pay Quinn and I would assume um so yes you know we still do need to find that elite pass rusher hopefully Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson uh continue to improve but it is like we get that opportunity where we can kind of take those um you know more like I'm, I'm forgetting the word here but just kind of that like you know, oh, let's take a linebacker. Let's take a safety because we already have a pretty good defense so we can afford to not draft these premium uh, positions, you know? Um, so I think that's going to be exciting because hopefully, you know, if you hit on one guy that can that can fill in the safety linebacker unit, your defense is only going to get better. And, and I mean, the middle of the field, I really think is their biggest weakness. So it'll be exciting to see where, where they kind of handle that because upgrades are needed. I, I don't even I don't even dislike Jordan Whitehead the way the rest of the fan base seems to. I think he's had his ups and downs, but he's been okay. People hate Jordan Whitehead and Lamarcus yeah. Joyner, who actually is yeah, fast. Yeah, but it's just yeah. funny. <laughs> Lamarcus, is but but bad. changes are coming. You know, like this defense is great, and I'm happy. But but I also think like what's exciting about this offseason is that ability. Like I feel like we have a lot of the key pieces, and now it's like how can we supplement to really support these guys. And what I think is almost interesting, and then we can pivot to, I guess, this final week and and the two different ways that yeah. week 18 can go for the Jets. There almost is like something nice about this breakdown where don't get me wrong, this team would have loved to have been in the playoffs. We would have all loved for them to be in the playoffs. But where had where things had been so good, you got to see, I guess, the peak of what this team could be. And this fall from grace now is almost like an alarm bell to Sala and Douglas. Like we need to upgrade this position. We can't rest on another year of bringing LaMarcus Joyner back. We can't rest on our linebacker depth. We need to upgrade at edge rusher. These pieces where you're like, well, we finished the season 10 and seven and we lost in wildcard round. We don't have to be as aggressive because that was a developmental year. You can almost say like, no, we, we stunk in the second half of the season. We just, we missed a, a great opportunity to get into the playoffs there are major upgrades that we need to make to this team still. So I think it's, if anything, it's not good, obviously, but it does kind of sound the alarm a little bit more for this team that like, no, this off season, like you said, playoff mandate backs against the wall for these guys. They need to go out there. They need to take swings and they need to, you know, make improvements to this team at, at a lot of key positions. Yeah. And, 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 you know, before we talk about next week, I just want to take a moment to say like, this is why I hate the Jets <laughs> because like I fucking love watching the Jets and I love when like the Jets are playing and we like I got all this year to be like maybe we'll make the playoffs you know yeah. so like that yeah. was good that was an improvement but at the same time here we are you know we had all these meaningful games in December. Yeah. We lost them all. And now I got to wait till next year. Like now I got to wait till next year to freaking care about the Jets and hope they can be a good team. And like, that's just so goddamn annoying. Yeah. And it just is so annoying. So that's what sucks about the Jets. Um, now here's the question on everyone's mind. Blake yeah. on everyone's mind. I was going to be, I was about to ask you. I was about to ask you. So I can't wait to hear you ask me. I know. Are you, if you were a Jets fan? Yeah. Answer it this way. First, if you were a Jets fan, are you rooting for, you can imagine it's the Colts. Are you rooting for the Jets to win and play spoilers for Miami this week? Yep. Or are you rooting for them to lose and get a better draft pick? 
I so I was just about to ask you this question. I have the draft order picked up here, and that was that was what I was going to transition over to you. So I'm glad that you asked me. Our brains are We're on the same, the same way, page. Blank. Before I looked at the draft order, I was going to say play spoiler to the Dolphins. There's a chance here that the Jets could land up with like the eighth overall pick. Like that's how crazy this could be. You know, right now teams ahead of them, Cleveland. The pick belongs to the Texans because of the Watson trade, but Cleveland wants to play spoiler with Pittsburgh. So that moves you up one spot. Tennessee has a game on the line with the Jaguars to get into the AFC South championship or the AFC title and and win that division. That moves you up two spots. The Saints, I believe, are playing the Panthers. Let me check. Anyway, three of the teams in the NFC South are all in this range where one win kind of bumps them to the same level field as the Jets, and two of them are at least playing each other. So that's another team in there. Um, and then the other one would be Vegas and they've got someone in the AFC West, but regardless, there is a spot here where the jets are currently sitting at the 13th pick. They could move well inside the top 10. I, I think most likely scenario with a loss is 10 and most likely scenario with a win is 17. Um, that's a big difference. Yeah. It, It, you know, I I have a little bit of a different mindset about this than I ever have um, because at the end of the day, my first thought is, you know, I really don't care. Like, like I've said this before, like, I don't like to think about all that. Like I'm fine with the team just going out, playing to win, winning. But there is that school of thought of it's like, just go out there like like don't try to lose but it's like why not root for a loss and then you're getting a top 10 pick like that would be fucking awesome you know um i do just i i kind of want to paint the picture though of like regardless of everything i just said i'm going to be sitting on my couch you know from 1 to 4 and i'm going to be hoping that the jets look good right and if the jets go out there and lose to the dolphins with a backup quarterback you know, potentially some guy they're signing off the street. Like that's not going to feel good. And it also, when, when you think about football is like, is that good that your young players couldn't go out there and get it done? You know, uh, it, it, when they very well should go out, should. So it's like, sure. You know, could, could they go out there and win and prove their draft position? Yes. Is that better for, how good this team is going to be going forward. I'm not necessarily sure. Maybe it's better for the draft pick, but maybe it's not better for like our feelings going forward of this team. You know what I mean? Like, that's like a fair point, right? Like, no, it 100% is. I'm going to say as the fan, I would just want the better pick, but knowing Robert Sala, knowing how this organization is built and and it's man football, they're going to go out there and they're going to beat the dolphins this weekend. They're going to take the dolphins out of the playoffs. There's they are, they're, they're going to like, they're going to win. It's fucking Skylar Thompson or who did they pick up today? It was uh, the fact I'm going to pick the fucking jets again to win this game. They're going to win this game. They're going to, you know, you know, like drug addicts, like (laughs) that's me. Like, like, like I, I buy in, I fucking get all hyped up and then the jets lose. And then I get really sad and I like get like go through withdrawals like that. I am a drug addict when it comes to the New York Jets. It is either Mike Glennon or Skylar Thompson. (laughs) Clip that. I am a drug addict. You are. (laughs) But they're going to win. 
They're going to. This All is right, gonna, listen, 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 listen. This is going to be a fucking stomp on their grave. We are going to get our frustrations of the last month out by ruining the Dolphins. Remember that fuck Tyreek Hill that said he didn't want to come play for the New York Jets? We're going to stomp on his fucking head. They're going to butcher the Dolphins this Sunday. Murder! This is a great monologue. Imagine if this was a win-and-in playoff team. Oh, I know. Um, My only thing with that thinking is – this Jets team, like, I would have agreed with you. I would have said, like, this is the way Salah coaches. This is the way these guys play. But, like, the last last game, the way that we just, like, that was the game I wanted to see this team, you know, play with fire, play with passion, like, make a statement. And they just came out so flat, and the entire team was so bad from the jump. Like, I have no, like, hope, like, like, I know I should, I shouldn't, you know, but, but it's just like, I have no belief that this team is going to come out with any type of motivation. You know, if they do, I'm glad, but like, I'm, I'm not fully bought into like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, it's I don't just think it's like, last disappointing. I don't think it's going to take motivation oh, no, to beat this version of the Dolphins true. team. This Dolphins team, it, it, funny enough. Well, I we already did they, that once, right? Exactly. And it wasn't hard. And Zach Wilson no. didn't have a good game in a game where we scored 40 points. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at the injury report right now for the Dolphins. It's not just, obviously, you know, it's funny. I can think both at the same time. Can I the Dolphins believe... make the playoffs? Yeah, if they if they win. Oh, yeah. Duh, duh, duh. That was such a dumb question. Playing spoiler. If they, if they right. win, they're there. Um, and the Patriots lost, lose. Yes. Yeah, because Patriots beat him this past week. Yeah. And Buffalo might have something to play for. Yeah. Yeah. Um Teron Armstead, toe, peck, knee, hip, best offensive lineman. Bradley Chubb, ankle hand, Xavier Howard, knee. Like this team is so banged up. I think that the Jets, like, I just get your frustrations from the last month out. I feel like this is just one of those where you've got just, you know, your punching bag, you're sitting there and you're frustrated that the season's over. And it's like, well, yeah. we've got this limp life hanging over here that we could end. Let's just butcher it and cut it out. It's misery. I mean, listen, I'll, I would much rather. All right. So, so here I go. I'm landing Jets by a hundred. I'm, I'm choosing a side on which I'm rooting for or the Jets to lose or the Jets to win. I'm rooting for the Jets to win. Good. And why am I doing that? It's because, you know, like I said, if the Jets go out and and score 40 in the last game of the season, sure, it's annoying that we didn't make the playoffs. It's annoying that, you know, we blew it. But you at least have that like, okay, well, at least Mike White went out there and got it done to some degree and our playmakers stepped up. And at least we, you know, okay, these guys are good. You know, we weren't clearly imagining it. It will still be annoying. It'll still be a knock on Mike White that all the games that matters, he hasn't done well, and all the games that don't matter, he has done well. But that's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for this Jets team to go out there and look good, look like a real team, take the 17th pick, pick someone fucking good, and fucking, you know, be be a good team. Don't rely on just having top 10 draft picks your whole life. No. Yeah, I'm going to go Jets win big. Jets win big, 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 big. It's crazy. The the line is it. The line is at minus one for New York in Miami. Point total disgusting as always at thirty eight and a half. I just, I, I know that the Dolphins actually legitimately do have something to play for. So like, it's not like they're gonna just be a dead man walking, but they're not gonna have like four. They're gonna have. They're probably it's not determined yet who is all going to be out, but I just listed three of their best players outside of Tua, and Tua was what made this offense go as funny as it is. So it's like, 
Yeah, and and I think like the the Jets, even if if Tua was out there, and we've seen what this Dolphins offense can look like with Tua out there and those receivers, like the Jets strength of their defense is their cornerbacks, the outside of the of the defense outside of the passing game. Like if if they have a backup in there, I mean, it, you you do kind of think similar to what happened the first time we played them where like they just could not throw the ball outside the numbers like they couldn't and they're not going to be able to again this week um so yeah i mean i i'm fine with that big jets win what do you what do you jets think give me big. a score 40 we got we got a 40 burger in the year or no way? not a 40 burger 31 31 10 that's such a great prediction all right i guess fuck it i'll go 35 28 oh wow so the defense is just like wait no i don't want to do that. <laughs> 38 no, i'm gonna change it that was an unrealistic offensive show 24 for 24 12 jets hmm. this is my favorite part of the show because we just make up numbers oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 to our credit we are always fucking wrong and they don't mean anything we're always wrong Always. i don't analyze i don't project the yards per play jets win 27 13 all right and i got 24 12 whoever is closer gets a prize you listeners tweet at us let us know what, what, are, what, what are you prizes? want they don't tweet it they're not our listeners aren't on twitter <laughs> yeah you guys should get on twitter and like, <laughs> like our shit if you're listening i've been getting zero oh. like tweets for a year now <laughs> i'm cool with it though don't worry yeah, it's fun you've essentially made it your burner anyways um <laughs> all right Teddy, disappointing episode. Um, disappointing. Know, pretty fun episode season. though. I it feel like I was good. dropping takes left and right. Yeah, it was a good one. I feel like I feel like this is it's. There's going to be a ton of great stuff to talk about in the off season. We did talk about this before. We're going to do a pod next week. We're going to take a little bit of a break after at least until after the Super Bowl. I think if anything, if there's ever any like crazy news, if someone does get fired yeah. or anything, we hop on and we do a quick, you know, reactionary pod to it. But. Things should be pretty quiet for the Jets, I'd assume, at least until the offseason starts to ramp up. Obviously, we'll have to talk about the future of the quarterback position, how the Jets handle moving on from Zach Wilson, cap casualties, free agents to look at. Like, there is going to be a lot of offseason stuff to talk about, um, and so I'm looking forward to it. Anything else that you want to say before we send things off into Miami? I, I guess just to just to kind of double down on what you just said, um, offseason is definitely when, like, people will listen less, obviously. Um, but I had a blast. That's when we started was last year in the off season. It's a really fun time. You know, you fucking talk about all the possibilities that this Jets team is going to have. Um, so, you know, if you're listening, stick around for the off season when we, when we yeah. come back, because those are some of the most fun episodes in my opinion. And like you were saying at the beginning of this episode, like if, if these, if Sala and, and Douglas know that their backs are against the wall, they're going to be taking shots. There's going to be some big moves here to try and get this team in a position. It's, it's going to be a new type of off season that, that we really haven't seen in a long time. Um, yeah. Cause even in the Darnold era, there was, I mean, you, you signed Le'Veon. So I guess there was that off season, but it was like such a miss there. I listen, let's end it on this. I I'm just praying on that 1% chance that we can do something crazy to get Lamar. And if not, go get Aaron Rodgers. And if not, sign one of these fucking free agent dudes. Like, like, but just do whatever you have to do. Cut Corey Davis, cut Carl Austin, pay these guys $200 million, whatever you got to do. Get one of these fucking studs on our football team and let's fucking ball out next year. That's where I stand.
Would you trade for Kyler Murray? I fucking hate Kyler Murray. I mean, he, <laughs> he's good, but like, I fucking that guy sucks. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, he's like a good football player, yeah. but he like clearly sucks dick. Like, like as a person, regardless of what you want to think about the study right. thing, like he's just clearly like not the best dude, not a team guy. Um, but I mean, it like would I trade for him? Guy. I mean, I'd probably say yes, I probably, guess. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I hate that guy. It would be like a like, God damn it! Now I got to root for fucking Kyler Murray. But like, all right, right. <laughs> maybe fun, hey, fun, let's do fun it. hypothetical to throw out there. All, all right. right, well, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Chasing Sixty Nine. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at nyj underscore chasing sixty nine. Same as the YouTube Teddy at Teddy Hunt Show. I'm at Spring Blake with four A's. Uh, Hats off. Enjoy this week 18 matchup with the Dolphins. Hopefully we can put their season to an end and uh, we'll be back next week with a, uh, a final recap of this entire 2022 year for the New York Jets. For Teddy, I'm Blake. We'll see you next week. Peace.